We're starting from the very bottom words. So we're discussing Ravasi's uh, understanding of the way an Uman is compensated. So the understanding of an Uman, an Uman is not, he's not a sucker. He's not someone that you know you hire for the day and pay him for all the work, but he's hired for the job. He has a specific task that he's doing. So if you give him raw material and now he makes something with it and he returns it to you and you pay him, what's really happening? So Ravasi explains that what's really happening is that he's taking your raw materials and he's being cloned them for himself. And he's making through his work, through the shvach, through the profit that he puts in. And then that product actually belongs to him. And then the agreement is that he's going to sell it to you for the certain price. So you're actually never paying him for his work to understand it. Really what's happening is that you give him the, 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 the resources, the material, he makes it into a kli, and then you have an agreement with him that he's going to sell it to you for that price. That's his understanding. And the big nafkimina of that, as you saw yesterday, is that if a, uh, according to Ravasi, if someone gives raw wood, let's say raw materials to a uh, to an uman to make into a chair, after it's a chair, then he breaks it. He does something that breaks it. So Allah is he's not chayev uh, for that action because what he did, uh, what he did actually was was on his own kli. Whereas if you wouldn't hold like Ravasi, if you hold ain't uman kono shrakli, so then what he did is an action upon the wood of the owner, the original owner of the wood, and then he would be liable as a mazak. So the Mar says, Let's look at the mission. I know some of the summer, someone who gives wool over to a dyer, that burns it. So what does that mean? It means that you put the wool in and then you left it in the in the vat too long. So first it got totally improved. Let's just understand what happened. First the color got dyed, so it got improved. So the wool is now improved. And then after that, he this guy who's managing the vat, this Uman, is negligent. And he lets it in too long and it all burns. So what's the Allah? He has to repay him with the value of the wool, the original value of the wool. So it says, He has to repay him with the original value of the wool, but not the, original, but not the value of the wool plus its improvement. So why not? Right Before he was negligent and let it burn, it had additional value. So who, who owned it at that point? So we assume the vat burned it after it already had hold, after it already got colored. There only is an improvement in the wool before it got damaged. And still we're saying that the Uma doesn't owe him that, that, that full value. He only owes him the value of the original wool. It must be that the Uma has a Kenyan in the improvement. So basically what happens is you give him the raw wool. And once the dye occurs, once the change in the color occurs, so the Uma is going to that. Once someone's gone to that, so then any damage he does, he's not liable for. He's only liable to replace the original uh, value of the wool that was given to him. So as more Amar Shmuel, it's not a proof. The case is the vat burned the wool while the dye was still taking hold. There was never any improvement before it became damaged. It was not shot. It got colored and then it improved and then subsequently it got damaged. But rather, the damage was there before any um, substantial improvement was there. So now the Gemara tries to make an inference from what Shmuel just did, right? We tried to bring a proof to Ravasi, and Shmuel pushed back that there was no proof. So the Gemara says, what is Shmuel's opinion then? What is the halacha if the vat burned it after the dye took hold? What would Shmuel say? Sounds like Shmuel holds that you would pay him the value of the wool and its improvement. Must be. Shmuel doesn't hold like Ravasi. Shmuel holds that the craftsman does not acquire, and therefore the wool is always in the possession of the original owner. If it improved, it improved in his ownership. And if it would be damaged, you have to pay. So what the Gemara is trying to figure out here is does Shmuel disagree? And Rashi says the reason that interests us is because we know we pass him like Shmuel in all monetary matters. So that itself is kind of a question on Ravasi then if Shmuel is not like him. <coughs> so the Gemara says back, You know what's going on here in the Mishnah? The dye as well belong to the same owner of the wool. Meaning to say, that Saba Argayadu the Shakal, the dyer is only taking the wages of his handiwork, meaning he's not even making the shvach. The whole question of Uman Kona Bishvach Kli 
is not in existence when the dye, which is the improvement in the wool, was also provided by the homeowner. If the dye was provided by the by the craftsman, then you could hear Uman is Kona Bishvachli, or if it's his work. But here, who owns the dye? Well, if the ownership of the dye is from the Balabayas, so then it's reasonable to assume that everyone would agree ain't Uman Kona Bishvachli in that scenario. That's not the scenario we're discussing. Says the Gemara, that that's the case, that the, that the Balabayas owned the die, so when it says he should pay him back, he shouldn't only pay him back for the value of the wool that he gave him, but it should say he should pay him back for the value of the wool and the raw die. Must be, he's not providing him with the die, then our proof comes back. Says the no, you're right. He really, the die was not being supplied by the homeowner. The die was being supplied by the craftsman. And why was Shmuel pushing back if this is really a question of Una Mishrachli and Rav Asiol's Uman Kona Mishrachli? We don't want to say Shmuel disagrees. The answer is Shmuel was just deflecting the proof. That's a classic Amar answer. It's not that he disagreed with Ravasi, but when someone brought a proof to Ravasi, he said, from here, it's not a proof. That doesn't prove, though, that the opposite, that he disagrees with Ravasi. It just means that also the intellectual honesty here, he's saying, I might concur with Ravasi, but there's no proof to Ravasi from that price. All right, says the Gemara Tashimah, we look at a price that just to understand what's going on here. There's an Isra in the Torah. So if you have a zacher, a hired man, and a hired man, this, the, the, the postures of a hired man is like, you know, you have a day worker and you pay him for all the work, you know, just like per hour, all the, for all the stuff that he does. You're not paying for a specific job. So the Torah says that you're not allowed to leave overnight his wages, meaning that once the, the job is complete and you owe him the money, you have to pay him that day. There's a lot in the Torah if you don't pay him on time. So what's the halacha? Someone who gives over the cloak to a craftsman. The Gemara initially understands it means like, you know, you're, you're getting a, a suit made. So let's say you're giving over some material to him and he's, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be paid for the job of making the suit. Gemara, so he finished it. And he informed the owner that the cloak was ready, but he didn't return it yet. So at that point, he doesn't owe him the money. Right? The, the money is not owed until he gets it. So then, even from now until 10 days, he leaves it by the craftsman, he doesn't pick it up and pay for it. He doesn't over, he's not over on the Because the demand, you can only demand payment once he returns it to the owner. It's very important. So in the basic you say here, the Lissalan is only when, when you can demand the payment. And, and you can't demand the payment as long as, long as he hasn't picked it up. But let's say he returned to him at, let's say, 12 p.m. in the middle of the day. As soon as the sun sets, open Shemaltalan. So then if he didn't pay him for it, he didn't pay him for the suit, he's over in Baltalan. So says the Gemara, what do I see here? I see that in Uman, who did the, who took the, presumably that's the case where he took the raw, raw materials and he makes a suit. So then if I don't pay him on time, he's in Israel Baltalan. Now, if the Yisraeli, the way I pay him, is not because I'm paying him for wages, because if anything, it was his suit, right? The Uman acquired the suit with, with, once he went, with the labor. So rather what happened is that he's selling it to me. If that's what's going on, then why should it be an Israel Baltalan? Israel Baltalan is when you have a wages for a worker, so you have to pay him on time. You can't leave it overnight. But if what's happening here when you give him the raw materials is that he's Kona the suit and he's just in agreement to sell it to me, so it's not... It's not a delay in the payment of wages. So if it's not a delay in the payment of wages, why would you be over? Says the Gemara, We have to be talking about the way someone's working with a very thick cloak, but there's no improvement. So what exactly is it? So it basically seems you, you pluck up all the fibers on the surface and... Um, and and that's something you know. It's it's there's there's not the Gemara seems to be assuming like there's no real shvach. It's like you know there's there's wear and tear and like you know you you need you need you never you never really redo that on the garment from time to time, but it's not actually an improvement. Um, it's not something like that. And the Gemara is trying to say it actually would would last longer if it wouldn't happen. 
uh, doesn't appreciate in its value, but he wanted it done nonetheless. But the Gemara says, what does that mean? Why would you give it to someone and have for, for a process that lessens its value? So, so why would you give it? Obviously, the intent is that you want to soften it up. And even if that's not you know, great for it in the, long, in the long run, but it's good for it, you're going to look better in the garment now. So you're giving it to something. So that is improvement. So basically what the Gemara is arguing is that even if this procedure weakens it, it enhances the value. Clearly, that's what is going on. The guy gives it in for that. So therefore, the kasha does come back. There should be a shvach, and if there is a shvach, and it says still says you're right about and so you see ain't woman kona b'shvachli. Says ma lotzricha to agre leviche. We're talking about a kid who's hired to literally to step on to step on it. So basically, he's not talking about someone to to soften that, but he's trying to just to um basically it's a whole it's a whole situation. I mean, you can kind of think about it like dry cleaning, maybe as a loose. Like, um, yeah, but you're, I think it's, it goes into some warm water, and the idea is like while it's while it's in the water, then they stamp on it, and they're trying to like you know do something to the material. Yeah, exactly. So um, so anyway, so that's what's going on, and 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 as the gemara and bishop bishop of Masa, they're going to pay a ma for each stamping that he does. Dainus it's really wages for labor. It's not of actual uh, components as well. In what way? So Rashi explains because the fee doesn't depend on getting an improvement in the cloth. It's just all based upon the amount of work that he performs. He's not a contractor. He's really like a, a laborer who's earning a wage and he has therefore no no Kenyan in the in the Shvach. That's what we're trying to explain. So the Gemara says, okay, so basically we're explaining that it's a unique case where he's not contracted to bring about the improvement. If he would be, then he would own it and then be selling it back. Well, that's not the case. He's really being paid as a as a wages for how many times that he stamps on it. Okay, so it's not a proof, says the Gemara. But according to what a way it was a proof, according to what we thought that it wasn't talking about where he was stamping on it, but rather he's a contract, he's a contractor to make a suit. Then when we said that supports something Rosh Hashanah said, Debimini Rosh Hashanah. Later in Bab we have the following Shiloh, Kablonis, if someone does contractual work, Omer Shem Baltano, over. Are you over in Baltalan or not? Meaning, what's the question? The Pasuk says, don't delay the wages of a, of a, of a Sakhir. So they asked Rosh Hashanah, what about a Kabla? The difference between a Sakhir and a Kabla is that a Sakhir is paid. He's your employee. He's paid by the time, by, by 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 how many times he does something, but not for the job itself. He's paid for his time. So he's paid for the time that he's working for you. So there, the Torah says, don't delay. What about a kablan? A kablan is someone who's ta- who's paid for a specific task that he's doing. It's a little bit of a different thing. So is a kablan also have an iser baltalon? Rambam is over. Rambam says that he is. So we see that it's a proof to him because originally we thought he ever talking about someone making a suit. And we, we were trying to conclude that we see from here in Uman Kono Shachli. Okay, very good. But Lamaisi, he's a Kabbalah he's not a Sakhir. So you have a Raya that a Kabbalah you're over on Baltalan. Says the Gemara, now let's think about something. Lamer of Shesh is pleased with Ravasi. Let's put it all together here. Ravasi says, Uman Kono Shachli, which means you're not going to be over on Baltalan because you're not paying him for his wages, rather, you're buying it from him. Rav Shesh said, that a kablan is over on Baltalin. So clearly, Rav Sheshes must hold in Umun Kona Bishvachli. Says Lamar, no, not necessarily. Not every case of a kablan is there improvement. Amar Shmobar Acha, Bishlicha Degar. So let's think about someone who's a mailman, right? A mailman. Is he improving the quality of the letter? No, there's no, there's not, but he's not paying, he's not paid necessarily. He's not paid necessarily for his time. He could be for the job. Meaning, I tell somebody, go bring this letter over to the next town and I'll give you $5 for it. So that's, no Uma and Kona Bishvachli there, so you steer clear of Ravasi. But on the other hand, it's a Kablonis. You're paying him for specifically for completing that task. You're not paying for the time. So therefore, that would be an example where Rav Sheshis would say a Kablon is over in Baldalan and it steers clear of Ravasi's rule of Uma and Kona Bishvachli. All right, now the Gemara gets back to the Ekerdin of Ravasi. Again, the Ekerdin of Ravasi is Uma and Kona the Shevach of a Kli. So if I give someone raw materials and he improves it and now it's a Kli, the idea is not that I'm paying him for his wages, but rather that he owns it and he sells it back to me. Let's say that this matter is matters. A woman hands gold over to a craftsman and she says, make for me all sorts of 
jewelry, and in return for the labor, I will become betrothed to you. So she's giving him the raw materials, he's making them, and then presumably giving them back to her. And the question is, is she married with the fact that he's not charging her, right? Normally, he would charge. Here, he's not going to charge for the labor. Can he be Makadashir with that? So, Kim and Shahasan, as soon as he makes them, she's married, different mayor. According to her mayor, this is effective. He has to actually give money to her. So, what does that mean? He has to actually have to give money. My mom, what are the Chamim mean? He has to give money. If it means just that he has to give this money, he has to give the jewelry, well, of course he has to. According to our mayor, even before he gives over the jewelry, she's married. My Makadashir, what's he being Makadashir? Right? Until you give it back, there's no, there's no giving to her anything. Things, you have to give other money. In other words, Tom, what's going on here is that our mayor is saying as soon as you give this jewelry that you were tasked to make, as soon as you give it back to the woman, she's married. Rabbana is saying, no, she would not be married when you give her back that jewelry. Rather, it's only if he gives her a separate ring, a separate condition that he owned, that she would be married. So what's the shot here in the machlag? It's fascinating. Let's go over. Again, what's the case? A woman gives raw material to the craftsman. She says, make me read jewelry and I'll be married to you. He makes the jewelry, he returns it to her, and they are saying it's valid, she's married. The Rabbana are saying it's invalid, she's not married. What's Pshad? We're going to make, assume two premises. So first of all, everyone holds that the way we look at wages is that it's from the beginning of the labor until the end of the labor. Now, that means as follows. The way it works is once I do it and I give it to you, it triggers basically retroactively that you have to pay me for all of my labor. I don't have to pay for the labor if you don't end up giving it to me. But if you end up giving it to me and now I have to pay for the labor, the understanding is that for each little bit of the labor that you did, I owe you the money. So therefore, what's really happening, what's really happening once he gives it to her, think about this in Lambdas, is that that means that there's an existing debt that she has to pay him money. When someone does a job for you and then they give it or present it to you, that basically imposes debt automatically, retro, almost retroactively, that existed for the, all the labor that existed. So therefore, there's retroactive debt that now is incurred. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to be Mikhailish her with debt. Everybody holds that if you're Mikhailish with debt, she's not married. You have to give something new to the woman. You can't be Mikhailish with pre-existing debt that she has. So here, what happens? She gives the raw materials. Now the craftsman makes it. He gives it back to her. If you break down what's happening is that there are wages that she has owed, she would fundamentally owe him for. There's debt, which is retroactively there the whole time by her. And he's trying to be Mikhailish with that debt, but he's not giving her anything. So Mikhailish shouldn't work. So that would be like just explained. That's why the Rabbana are saying this condition is no good. He's got to give other money. Must shout him a mayor. My lab, Uman They're arguing about whether Uman is calling the Shrak. Or mayor Sabah, Uman You know what's happening? He's not being paid for his wages. What's really happening is that he becomes the owner of the ring. If he becomes the owner of the ring, instead of selling it back, he's given to her as a present. That's not what's happening. It's her ring the whole time, just she owes him money for the labor, which is a debt, which is buyer. And if someone is Makadish with that, she's not married. That's the Pshad in the Machlaika. Says the Gemara. Lo, it does not necessarily clear. That's what they're arguing about. Could be everyone doesn't hold like Ravasi. Could be everyone holds that the Uman is not going to the improvement. They're arguing about whether or not wages are paid for, for the whole thing. So, for a mayor, for a mayor disagrees. He says the way it works is that you're only paid in the end. Meaning, when you give it over, that is what you pay for. You pay for the giving over. So, therefore, when I give it over without charging, it's a good giving over of condition. It's not shot. I'm being Makadish with the debt. If you hold, yes, that you pay for the wages that were going happening the whole time. According to Rabbanon, once I give it up, it's basically a retroactive debt, which is by you. So, I'm being Makadish with debt. Ramirez, no. The way it works is that you're paid for the giving it over. The wages are owed in the giving of over the thing. So therefore, if I give it over without charging you, I'm giving you a Maisa Kedushin. But it has nothing to do with our Yisrael of Umen Kom 
everyone holds that you that the that, that that there is that which is in retrospect for the whole thing. They might just be arguing about if someone can be in college with that. The dispute is about that point. Says the on the top of Everyone could hold that the wages are earned from the beginning of the of the labor till the end. Everyone holds. College woman with the loan, she's not married. Uda Kuliama in Umanakonam Shakli. So, what in the world is the Pshad here in her mayor? What's the case? Besides for giving her the ring, he also added a stone of his own uh, to the ornament. So, basically, he gives her the ring, but he adds, you know, a diamond. Right? Yeah, he gives her the ring and he adds something. So, mayor Savar, Milvel Pruta, when he, when someone, when someone, is 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 adding this um, is is stolen? So it's like a case where someone is giving her a loan and a pruta. So which one is his das kedushin on? Daita pruta. His mind is on the pruta. Uh, his mind, it, it, her mind is on the pruta, not on the loan, and therefore the kedushin is valid. In other words, one of the big ideas is that not only do I have to give her a pruta, but they have to have it das. They have to have the right mindset that they're coming with kedushas through the pruta. Whereas, so so mayor says that's exactly what's happening. Everyone understands that the debt is not the object object of the kedushin. It's not the dead, but rather the stone that he added. Her mind, she gets it, he gets it, and therefore the condition is valid with the new stone that he added to the ring. We're concerned that someone who chose one by giving her a loan and a pruta together, her mind is on the loan. She's intending on the loan. And therefore the condition is invalid because condition with the milva is ineffective. Isn't the jewel an upgrade also an enhancement also? The, the, the stone? The jewel is an enhancement, right? Yeah, but we're saying... The work that you would do is also an enhancement, so what's the difference? The, well, the idea is as follows. The work that you do, she owes him retroactively for everything that he did. So that's debt. He's been college her with debt. Whereas the stone is something new. But the issue is that we're concerned that they don't have the das here on the on the pruta. We're concerned that their das is on the loan. And the Gemara shows us this dispute. We see this dispute argued by others. It says in Bryce of Asako, she sees him if a craftsman says to the woman, be married to me with the wages that you owe for me for the work I already did for you. And because she is not married. And as he already did something for the woman. And after returning to her, he asked her, can you be possessed with me and I won't, and, and instead of paying me? So we say it's no good. Why? Because the woman had to pay him before. So therefore, you're basically just forgiving debt. And again, that doesn't work. What if he didn't yet perform any work? And he says, you know, that's the wages that you will owe me for the work that I will do for you. So as soon as he completes the work and he returns it to her, she does become Mekudashas. In other words, this is not Mekadash bin Milva. must be that this, this town holds that, that the wages are earned only in the end. So when he returns it for the shame Kedushin, so he's not being Kadash with Milva, but rather with the service that he's doing. If someone says, Mekudashas me with the wages, that I will do for you, even there, she's not married. Certainly, if the wages were already owed. In truth, what's the halacha? Whether it's the wages that were owed in the past or the wages that are going to be done in this work, it doesn't work. Why? Again, the machlokas here in the Tanam is do we say that the schirus is, is owed for the whole time, so it's that, or in schirus, so therefore the condition is valid. However, the Brisa adds, if he adds a stone, on his own for the thing that he was working with, then certainly it works. So that is something that only Rabbi Yudah Nasi was arguing. So Ma and the first time I'm arguing about if the laborers if the if the laborers wages are earned gradually or only when he completes it. But the second point, Rabbi Yudah Nasi is adding about the stone. That's what interests us. But they're disagreeing about is when you have a college with a debt and with the pruta. Do we assume that the das is on the pruta or the das is on the milfa? All right. So after we finish this whole thing about uman. 
But he's kona b'shvakli, not kona b'shvakli. What was relevant? Again, the case was relevant. If an uman messes up the workers, is he an adam hamazik? That was the question, and that was relevant whether or not he was kona b'shvakli. So now the Gemara is going to move over to other mistakes that can come up with an uman. So Amar Shmuel, Tabach uman shekilkol. An expert slaughter is given an animal to slaughter. So let's understand. Someone gives, this is the way it used to work. Someone has an animal, and he brings it to the butcher, and the butcher also doubles as the shechet, basically, and he's going to make a shechita and return the meat. And he gets paid for doing that, for that service of shechting it properly and, and giving him the kosher meat. So now, the, and he's an expert slaughterer. And someone, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's good. And he's giving it to shecht, and he messes up. He shechts it improperly. There are many things that can go wrong, right? And it seems that the case is the animal jumps. We're going to see this. Uh, that, 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 that there's some, like, crazy thing that happens. Like, the animal jumps. That's why he messes up. So what's the law? Chayav l'shalim. He's still liable to pay for the damage. That's a big chiddish. Now, it seems also that the Gemara is looking at Mishtikl as like a shaymer. So we have to bring it out. Remember, shaymer chinam is only chayav for negligence. Shaymer sachar is even chayav for something less negligent, but still the mice, we could have been more careful. So what, what, is, what do we say here? He's liable to pay. Why? Maziku pashehu. He's a damager and he's negligent. It's no different than if the owner said, slaughter the animal from, from, from here, we're meaning where the trachea and the esophagus are, and he, you know, slaughters it in the wrong part of the neck. So clearly, he's negligent. So what Shmuel is saying is that he's a total negligence, and therefore he has to pay. Says the Gemara, Why does he have to word it? He's a damager, he's negligent. Why did you just say he's a damager? Why is he adding the words, Poshea? Says the just said he's damager. That's only if he's working for a fee. So since he's working for a fee, He's like a Shemar Sachar. Shemar Sachar is held to a greater degree of responsibility. Even when it's not really negligence, he's still chive. Like, let's say something gets stolen from a Shemar Sachar. He has to pay. It wasn't necessarily negligent, but he could have, he could have protected it. So you would say, maybe that's the level here. If he's doing it for free, then lo, he wouldn't be liable. It's posheu, it's real negligence. So therefore, even if he's not getting paid, he's like a Shemar Chinam, he would still be liable. So basically, we're saying that, that an expert slaughterer who slaughters improperly, he's considered to be totally negligent, and he's liable even if he works for free. So the Gemara asks, this is where someone who gives an animal over to a slaughterer, and he makes it in a veil, he messed up. It says, if he's an expert, potter, he's not liable. Why? Because clearly, if an Uman sling went wrong with the Uman Shechita, it wasn't gross negligence. Something, you know, like, oh, the animal jumped in the middle and like the spot moved. So therefore, the Tana is saying that he is Pater. He's not considered negligent. Head yod, but if he's, an, he's someone who doesn't really know what he's doing, Chayv, because there, you have no business touching the animal. If, you're not, if you don't really know what you're doing in Shechita, no matter what happens, that's considered gross negligence. If the owner gives him a fee, then you have been with Chayv. Then whether he's whether he an amateur or is an expert, he's always liable. So what do we see? We see that an expert who does not take a fee is not liable. That's against what Shmuel said, right? And basically what the question boils down to is, is it gross negligence or not? If it's gross negligence, so then when you mess up a shechita and you're a tabach, then you're liable, you're shomar But if it's not, not. So that's good for the question. Do we say that it's an act of negligence when the shechita goes wrong? Or no, it's just, he could have been more careful, but it's not negligence. So, so, so it seems like a steer between the price and what Shmuel said. So Amalei Shmuel said, your brain should be, you know, muddled here. So what exactly does that mean? Your, your, your brain is messed up. That's what he's saying. He's very upset. Why? Why, why is he upset? Because Shmuel went out of his way to explain that he was a, that he was a poshaya. And, and, and once he went out of his way to explain he was a poshaya, bring me a price that doesn't hold these a poshaya. It's not a question because you should clearly figure out that it's machlokas tanon 
whether or not someone is a poshaya for such a thing. How should he figure that out? So the Gemara explains. Awesome. Here, Rabbanu Kamosov, another one of Rabbanu came in Ashmul from the same Raisa. <laughs> he did the same thing. Amalei Shmuel said, Now you're going to get the same treatment that your colleague received. And I'm going to respond to you the same way I responded to him. I'm only telling you it's gross negligence in the opinion of Rameir. You're giving me a Raisa, which is clearly authored by the Rabbanu. Why didn't you listen to my words? Shani Yomer, what did I say? That he's a mazik and he's a poshaya. It's no different than if he was told slaughter from here and he slaughtered from a different place. So when I'm describing those words, that he's a poshaya for when something goes wrong, who holds to that reasoning? Meaning, let's think a little bit better. What is really happening here is that the negligence is because he didn't take better precautions to prevent that unusual event occurring. Clearly what happened is, now he knows where to do it. Why is he shouting in the wrong place? Clearly what happens is, oh, the animal jumps up. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't think the animal was going to jump up. But should I take precautions to prevent against an unusual event? Is that negligence? That's the machlekes. I'm saying that's poshaya. So as soon as you heard me say that poshaya, the, 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 the bells in your mind should go off that that's all Rameyer Shittas. We're going to show which Rameyer this is. And then once you, once, I, when, once you should understand that, to bring me a price is not a question because the, the price clearly is our bonnet. It's from there who says a person has to be more attention and take necessary precautions to make sure that damage doesn't occur. Now, so we have to figure out which Rameir we're talking about. Hi, Rameir. Ilim Rameir. If you say it's this Rameir, it's not. It says in the Mishnah, we learned this picture back in the Mem Hey. Trying to figure out what level of Shmirah is incumbent upon the owner to watch his ox. So, if the ox's owner ties it with a rein or he locks the gate in front of the animal properly, if he has a hissick and it still goes out and does damage, he's liable. Different there. So you see there, Merols are liable for not taking even better precautions to protect against an unusual event. Clearly an unusually strong wind, you know, blew open the door or something like that. So Remeir holds that you're, you're liable for not taking better precautions against that. So, so, so in, in general, you see that that would be negligent. Says the Gemara, there is based upon Sukkim. If you remember back then, is that we require a Shmira, a Shmira Me'ula, and even where it wasn't necessarily negligent, you might be liable. So in other words, that doesn't prove it's considered negligence. It just might prove that you're liable for the actions of your ox, even if you weren't negligent. So that doesn't show us that it's considered negligence. Again, by us, we need to know that he's a posheh. Because again, you're only treating him like a shomer if he's not getting paid and he's still liable. That means he's a posheh. So you have to show me he's a posheh. Showing me that you're liable for your ox, even when you guarded pretty decently, isn't a proof that it's negligent. Says Mar Hara, may you're gonna tell me this from Mayor's down and says in the Bishop of Adam is Shakar. Someone gives over to a dyer to dye red and he messes up and he dies it black. Shakam is Adam, he gives it over to dye black and dies it red. Rameyer almost in Samro. He owes him the value of the wool. So you're gonna show that Rameyer holds that you're liable for not taking precautions to protect against an unusual event here. So in other words, Mars assuming it was a, it was a mistake. So you're you're negligent for not Making sure that a mistake doesn't happen. Says the Gemara. I mean, that's not a good comparison at all. There, he intentionally burns it and takes it away. Meaning it could be he messes up and dyes the wool the wrong color intentionally. And that's why he's liable. But if it was a sort of mistake, and it's just a matter of taking better precautions to prevent the mistake, maybe Rameir would not hold you liable. Elar this Rameir. Zitanya, this is something we had back in the third parak. Someone's pitcher breaks in the street and he doesn't remove it. His camel falls, he doesn't stand it up. He's liable for, the dam- for their damages. If someone gets damaged with a broken shard, it's basically like you made the pit. Your potter in the laws of man, you're only So it's not considered that you made the, you made the pit. So what's the pshat is, if you remember this, we're arguing whether someone tripping is considered negligent. Or as the case is, the person was carrying a pitcher and he trips and it breaks. And their opponents say tripping is considered an onus, it's considered unavoidable, and therefore he's not chai, it's not like he's making a bar in the street. Rameir says, no, tripping could be avoided. 
If you would be take better precautions, you wouldn't trip. So therefore, it's negligent for not taking the better precautions. And therefore, since the, the, the shards are on the ground now through an act of negligence, it is considered that you made the pit. So I see that, that that's a great illustration for us, tripping and falling in the street. Rameyer says that's considered pshia. Rabbanu say it's not. So do here. If I didn't take precautions against the animal jumping, and therefore it, I stacked it in the wrong place, am I poshia? Rameyer is going to say I am. Shmuel was clearly going like Rameyer. The prize was going to Rabbanon that you're not. Now the Gemara brings other Amaram to talk about this issue. Amaram Rechan Rabbi Yochanan Tapa Chumash Kilgo Chayev. An expert slaughter is given into Shech and he messes up. He's Chayev to pay. Afilu Uman Ketapa Chitzvah. Even if he's an expert like the slaughterers in Tzipuri. Uh, we're very, very expert. Says the Gemara. Mi Amar Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan says Ramar Rechan Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan There was a story a Shechita was, was shafted wrong. And came to Rabbi Yochanan in the Shul and Ma'on. Vamele Rabbi Yochanan said So I see right if you bring a proof that you're an expert in slaughtering chickens then I'll free you from liability. So we see that you are Patrick. Says the Marlo Kasha. So what, it's not a Kasha in Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Khan Bechina. In the case of Rabbi Yochanan is where he was working for free. Thomas Sacher. As before we were talking about when it was for a fee. So Rabbi Yochanan disagrees with Shmuel. Rabbi Yochanan holds that you're only liable if you're taking a fee. If you're, you're doing it for free or not. He doesn't hold this gross negligence. So therefore, that's what it, that's what it depends on. Says the Gemara, we have a proof for this. Somebody wants to make sure that the slaughterer will be liable, meaning when you're giving over the animal to the slaughterer. If you want to make sure he'll be liable, if he messes up, make sure you pay him. <laughs> make sure you pay him, and then it actually works to your advantage by giving him the dinner, and now he's a Shomer Sacher, and he has the greater degree of responsibility. All right, so it comes out, Rabbi Yochanan Ramzeira, they free the expert from liability if he's not getting paid. They clearly hold it's not gross negligence. Says the more we have a cash from the bride. So it says a Someone takes a wheat. Someone takes wheat and he gives it over to the miller of the Sasan. But the miller didn't soak them in water before grinding it. Therefore, it got into messed up bran or not good. Kamachnath and he brings flour to bake. and he makes the bread and it's crumbly bread. he brings an animal to slaughter of nibla and he messes up the shchita. It's an avela. In all these cases, chayev. The person is chayev. He's like someone who's getting paid. So like someone who's getting paid means. He's not getting paid, but he's treated like someone who's getting paid. Just like someone who's getting paid would clearly be liable. So too, even this person is liable. So we see that you're liable even if you're not getting paid. Says We changed the price that he is getting paid. Since he is getting paid, he is liable. But we defend if it wouldn't be getting paid, then it wouldn't be gross negligence. And in fact, he'd be positive. Says There was a case of Hagrama which came in front of Rav. So Hagrama is that there's a certain whole complicated thing. It's still getting exactly where you know, what the confines, the parameters of where on the trach in the esophagus you're able to shecht. So it's not so easy to know because there's a lot of rings and cartilage and tissue. You got to know exactly the, the biology there in the animal. And if you shecht in the wrong place, it's called hygroma. Now, this, the Gemara is, is going to show us that there's a whole machlokas between Rabbi Yosef Yudah and the Rabbanon. If he did a sh- majority of the shechita um, in the right place and then a little bit outside. So the Rabbanon say that it's no good because you finished the shechita in the wrong place. Rabbi Yisrael says it's good because the majority of the shechita was done in the right place. So this was the case of Ahagrama. It was like a zam matziv of a shechita, which the Rabbanim were going to say um, is no good. And Rabbi Yisrael is going to say that it is good. So the Shalit came in front of Rav. So first of all, Tarfet. Rav said it's a trefa. In other words, he was machmir, like the Rabbanon, that it's no good because the shechita ended in the wrong place. But at the same time, he said that the slaughter doesn't have to pay. So the Gemara says, Rav did two things for you. Rav treated you with two ways. What does that mean? What do they mean Rav did two things? So he messed you up in two ways. He was, in other words, they're saying Rav messed you. He was wrong with you. He should have said it was a kasher shechita, like the lenient view of Rav Yudah, since the majority was done in the right spot. And he was machmer, like the Rabbanon, 
Even if he holds like the Rabbana, that is a trefa, then he should have held the slaughterer liable for the damage. So what's the pshat? Manushach, if it's taka trefa, he should have held them liable. But the Mar says there's no way that that's what they meant to say. You think how, think how disrespectful Rabkana and Rabbas would be to tell that to the owner of the animal that Rav messed up in Patsking the way he did. When a judge leaves the court, you shouldn't say to the losing party, I actually said you were not liable. It was only my colleagues who said you were liable. What could I do? I was outnumbered by my colleagues. Don't say, oh, I really voted for you. It was just my friends who messed it up. You shouldn't do that. So Rav Kana shouldn't say about the ruling of Rav that it wasn't the right ruling. They were saying they robbed the two things that were good for you. First of all, he made sure that you didn't eat meat which could have been forbidden. By saying that the slaughterer is not liable, he held you back from possibly robbing from the slaughterer by taking his money wrongly. So on the one hand, it was a trade for Rav was machmer. On the other hand, the Rav, it's a good thing. Rav didn't say that, the Rav, that, that he owes you the money and therefore he saved you from a possible robbery. Says the Gemara, it's Now we're going to move to a money changer who gives bad advice about a coin being valid or not. So it's Mahamar, Darren Lashon, someone shows a dinner to a Shokhani, to a money changer. He's trying to figure out, is this a good coin or not? So the money changer said it was valid. Reality is that it was a bad coin. It was actually an invalid coin. So therefore, it could have, um, the one who paid the money, now he's, he's not here. So, so, so let's just understand. You know, Ruvain gives, does something with Shimon in business. Shimon is accepting the coin, but he wants to verify it before Ruvain leaves. So he asks the money changer, money changer, yeah, it's good. Now Ruvain leaves, and now it turns out that the coin is bad, and now it turns out that the money changer actually caused a loss to Shimon. So Tani Chadu Uman Pater, it says if he's an expert, he is not liable, because it's not going to be negligence if he's an expert. Had um, but if he's an amateur, he's liable. But Tani Yochanel, the says, even if he's an expert, he is liable. So what's the pshat? Why is it not a stira? We're trying to understand, is it negligence or not? When you say it's a good coin, it really was a bad one. Wednesday, you're not liable. We're only talking about people who are experts, like people like Danko and Isser, who they, they, they're, they're such experts, there's nothing more for them to learn. They know everything there is to know about coins. So therefore, for sure, if they made a mistake, it's not negligence at all. Whereas other people who are in the middle, then it is negligence. Says more alva my toe. If there's nothing more for to learn, how do they make a mistake? Says more toe. This is like how did these Nothing with two sisters. It was like totally a fluke. There was a new stamping die at the time, a new mintage basically that came out from the stamping die, and they just weren't aware. Uh, they weren't aware of that at that at that time, because there was basically nothing for them to be aware of. It was new information out of the press. So they're totally experts in terms of knowing all there is to know about the you know the laws of coins. But, but there still could be a fluke scenario that comes out. So basically, the Gemara is saying that, that an Uman could be, an expert could be totally positive if there's nothing more for them to learn. But if they're still, you know, experts, but there is, they can, they can know a little bit more still, then they would be liable for messing up the Kipsak.